Kick out the jams, motherfuckers. This is Wayne Kramer from the MC5, and you're listening to Rock and Roll Archaeology. Pantheon Podcast presents from Hollywood, California, The Devil's Music with Pleasant Gaming. You are invited to join the Hollywood princess as she explores her lifelong pursuits in the occult, sex, love, and that sinful rock and roll. Ladies and gentlemen, step into the dark parlor of Pleasant Gaming as she brings you the devil's music. Hi, I'm Pleasant Gaiman, and welcome to The Devil's Music, a Pantheon podcast. As the devil himself apparently once said via the Rolling Stones, please allow me to introduce myself. I'm a rock and roll witch from Hollywood, California. My obsession with music and the occult started at the age of 12 and is still going strong. During the 70s, I was one of the first punks in Los Angeles. I worked at the Whiskey A Go-Go and had a Xerox fanzine called Lobotomy, which led me to writing a rock and roll gossip column in the LA Weekly, which in turn led me to writing for every major rock publication you could think of. In the 80s through the 90s, I fronted three bands. I'm a best-selling author with eight books out and more on the way. For the past 30 years, I've been a professional dancer who's toured around the globe teaching and performing, and you've probably seen me dancing in a number of music videos, feature films, and documentaries. I'm also an actor with several film credits. Find out more about me at PleasantGaiman.com. I'm really excited to be a part of the Pantheon Podcast Network of Rock and Roll Shows. Everyone at Pantheon tells spectacular stories about the music we love so much, each one with a different twist. Find them all at PantheonPodcast.com, as well as on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Radio.com, Pandora, hell, I just had to say that, anywhere you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you like what we're doing here, head on over to PantheonPodcast.com and share a show with a friend, or I'll put a spell on you. Kidding! This is Pleasant Gaiman, and you're listening to The Devil's Music. Today, my guest is a lifelong friend, uh, a lifelong partner in crime in many ways, um, and a legend in punk rock, as well as regular mainstreamish music. 
He's, he's absolutely one of the most talented people I've ever met. We've seen some crazy shit together. And um, even with a 40-year-plus career under his cowboy belt, he's still going strong. Please welcome the amazing John Doe from X. Oh, my gosh. Hi, I'm, I'm, hi, I'm blushing. <laughs> oh, come on. Already. Good. You didn't even say anything dirty, and I'm already blushing. Oh, oh there's going to be some dirty shit here, I'm sure. Yeah, I know. I know. It's inevitable. <laughs> We've known each other since I was 17. Oh, my God. I know. Isn't that psychotic? She's only 17. Well, I guess we made it so far. That's like a plus. You know, birthdays were a... I used to dread them, and now I welcome them. Yeah, now, now it's, like, exciting. Like, like fuck yeah, I made it. <laughs> I know, because so many people that, that um, we knew from back then have all passed away. I mean, like, a lot back in the day, a lot, like, just, like, there, there's so many that even now I feel like that people um, from L.A. punk, you know, in the early days, the original L.A. punk scene... Yeah. Like, even if we hated each other back then and there was, like, a little bit of infighting going on, like, after about, like, 2000, everything just got wiped away. And it's like, you know, oh, it's so great to see you. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, there's something about going through the wars together that, that makes you feel like it's okay. Yeah. But that was, like, the most funnest war ever most of the time, I gotta say. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Yes, I, I, I can wax nostalgic about that and, and not feel um, guilty about it at all because it, uh, it was pretty damn fun. Yeah, all parts of it. It was, it was, it was so exciting to me. Like, and I still try to figure out if it was because I was a teenager um, or because it was like actually literally really exciting. But when I look back on it now in my memory, I see everything so vivid. I can see like... Okay, I can see exactly um, lots of flashes from the crazy party where X played um, at Kitra's house and Kitra and David's mm-hmm. house on Sixth Street. Yeah. This big, giant, sprawling, like craftsman house with like sort of garden doors or French doors going outside, and you guys in the living room and every fucking person we knew from the LA punk scene there. Yeah, all the all forty three <laughs> of them. <laughs> or no, maybe but four- that's. <laughs> yeah, but no, but that's pretty, it was pretty big for a party, you know, in those yeah. days. Yeah, yeah, it was. That house is gone. It's a beautiful house. It was like the Munster's house. Yeah, it was exactly like the Munster's house. Like, and there, there's still a lot of Munstery um, looking houses there, like in that, in that neighborhood. Oh, yeah. That was a fancy, but, fancy neighborhood. Han- uh, isn't that Hancock Park? Yeah, but was it fancy at that time? That's the part that I can't remember because every so often we'd, like I remember with Tomata and Garrett, they always, from the Screamers, they always knew where really good parties were. And some of them were obviously fancy. You know, like one time we crashed a party in um, the Hollywood Towers, you know, that um, you probably went to that too. It was like somehow Tomata and Gear found out. It was some like movie people's party. And I remember thinking they were quote, quote, old but which means they might have been in their mid twenties to early thirties. 
But um, yeah, I don't remember if where Kitcha and David lived was. Uh, it was, was uh, it was six and six and Van Ness. Yeah, no, I remembered that, but I don't oh. remember if the neighborhood was actually like. Oh yeah, really... it was. It was fancy. I mean, but they lived in the in the house that was all run down that someone decided not to sell and to to rent, and then by the time you know. Uh, they got kicked out or I, I don't even remember if it got rented after that, but very soon after that, someone just realized this house is more trouble than it's worth to, to rebuild at the time, or they just didn't give a shit and they bought another lot and then built some condominiums, some, you know, like condominium type apartments there. Cause you know, like the same way that they're gentrifying a bunch of different places. Nowadays, yeah. This is just, yeah. Continue I have a feeling, that. I have a feeling though that not that you're, <laughs> your uh, podcast is about uh, home improvement or <laughs> I have a feeling that it was because there were all these, um, you know, built in cabinets and, and all this fancy shit. I have a feeling even then they had some like house strippers come in and, and pull out like a, a bunch of the, you know, built in fixtures and stuff like that. Of course was, I thought you meant at first exotic dancers. <laughs> no. Yeah, that too. That too. Okay, now you are blushing. It looks like you're blushing. No, I'm just. Well, I just have a a healthy, you know, complexion. No, you. No, you're always like an upstanding, like righteous man. Um, I try. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, so um, let's let's talk about a little bit more um about that early, that early punk days or just the early days of being of us all being loose in Los Angeles because but to, to answer your question I think that it's a, a combination of both I think because there was so there were so many young people uh it, it was about being young it was about experiencing a lot of things for the first time but also because there was just a bunch of creativity and creative people that weren't you know doing the same thing and were you know bored enough to and, and didn't have enough didn't have so many uh, commitments or or responsibilities that they could just fuck off. I mean, it's similar to to what went on in Austin here uh, in the, in the like mid to late eighties into the nineties where slacker culture happened. Um, You could, you could live being a bartender and being in a couple of bands and, and like, a majority of your time to yourself. So I think it was a combination of, of being young and also uh, being surrounded by a bunch of different um, creative types and, and having like an underground that was supporting this kind of thing. I mean, a lot of us felt the same way before we got to LA, but now we had support and now we had a, you know, we felt like we were moving towards something and, and we're part of a, you know, part of something bigger. And, and it wasn't just, being alone in the wilderness, you know? Yeah, I think I think that was a huge important part of it that we were meeting people, like you said, that were doing such great stuff, but also the fact that there was so many weirdos finding each other and everyone had like basically the same kind of frame of reference. And, um, you know, you could, you, you could just start talking about some outre subject like, like Harry Crosby or something and people knew what you were fucking talking about, you know, like, and right. that was so valuable in those days. That was that was just like gold because 
you know, like I used to get garbage thrown at me on the rare occasions that I would go to high school. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, that, so that, that part was so cool. And then um, like what, what else? Like then there, then there were, there was so many illegal clubs then that that was really good too. Like, the mask, but then later on the zero zero, which both of us mm-hmm. were involved heavily in both right. of those clubs. So we got we got to talk about those. But um, the first thing I want to ask you, though, because because I've I've had this on my brain is um, how did you meet Top Jimmy? And for anyone that's listening, Top Jimmy um, is from Top Jimmy and the Rhythm Pigs. In case you don't know, that was an LA sort of blues band, but also Top Jimmy is the subject of the Van Halen song called Top Jimmy. And also Top Jimmy was kind of like the punk rock soup kitchen because (laughs) how he even got his name was because he worked at this little hellish taco stand on Sunset and La Brea called Top Taco. And seriously, this place was like, just a little bit bigger than a closet and on a major intersection. But somehow we all started meeting there when, um, when the owners left and Top John, Jimmy would just start making fucking Jack Daniels for everyone and just cooking up like shit tons of burritos. Do you remember those parties? Oh, yeah. Well, we, we went, to, I, I met Jimmy through Billy, through Billy Zoom. Oh, through Billy Zoom. Because for a minute, I think Billy might have even worked at Top Taco. Oh, I think you're and, right. Yeah. Um, but that was before that was before I even met Billy. But um you know, I, for some reason Jimmy was was uh would show up to work enough and uh, I forget the owner's name. It was something like Aziz or he was uh Israeli or Middle Eastern something. And yeah. um and he trusted Jimmy. So Jimmy was like the, the boss. And there were a few other employees that would, you know, he didn't work there all the time. Um, I think their biggest trick was to put vodka in the orange bang uh, machine. <laughs> that, was, that, was the, that, was the, that was the party. Um, what, you know, it was a party then. And, I do um, remember that. Now that you're saying that, I completely forgot about it. But also I remember Top Jimmy standing there with like a real cook apron on and stuff. And <laughs> yeah. No, he, he worked at uh, he he worked at a bunch of different restaurants. He worked at uh, Telena's Telena's, which was a pizza place that uh, was up on I think also on Sunset, further west. And um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, just met him through through Billy, and and he was just a you know he was such a gentle soul, but still being kind of a badass. And and he was such a raconteur. He could just tell stories like. Um, and you know we had a, a kind of a couple chapters about him in that last book, but it was that was wasn't even scratching the surface of of all the crazy oh, shit that Jimmy that Jimmy went through, and um, you know maybe someday somebody will do all the, but he could he could tell a, a kind of a mundane story, and because he was kind of from Kentucky and and uh, you know just had this gift of of storytelling, it was engaging and it was funny and, and, and you just, you couldn't help but love him. And and then he started singing and, and we were, you know, X was kind of backing him up and, and then he met Carlos Catarlos and, you know, then they started the Rhythm Pigs and all that stuff was, uh, you know, st- you can give, I guess, Steve Berlin a lot of credit for 
getting that down on tape. Yeah. My, my favorite top Jimmy story was in, um, was in more fun in the new world, even that, because that was like kind of before I knew you guys were going to do like whole chapters on it. But, um, when uh, Top Jimmy decided to break into the uh, postage stamp machine in Bob Forrest's building, oh, yeah. where Bob was living with Flea and Anthony from the Chili Peppers, so yep. he thought he thought he had this great plan, and then he um, he miscalculated the days, and instead of getting all the money from the really busy um, stamp machine, he got like a, a like a fucking huge wheel of stamps, and so. At the Cafe de Grand, where he was always playing on Blue Mondays, and where I booked, and um, Michael Brennan, the owner, also had me like sometimes bartending. Um, like Top Top Jimmy came in and ordered like like a couple of um, Jack and Cokes, and then he didn't have any money, and but he put the postage stamp like whole round thing down on the bar. And um, I said, wait, let me get Michael. And Michael goes, oh, yeah, he can pay with that. And then <laughs> he looked at the drinks and he goes, ah, oh, that'll be four stamps. <laughs> and that Pretty went cheap. on for fucking months. <laughs> I know. I know. Pretty cheap. He should have just kept this stamp thing behind the bar. But, like, Jimmy had to carry it in every fucking time or rip off the correct amount of stamps. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see. I'm going to drink, like, uh, I think I'll drink about this much. <laughs> yeah, foot and a half worth tonight. <laughs> About a foot and a half of drinks, yeah. And he used to feed. I'm a, stamps what? must have only been about twenty cents then. So I know, but I think drinks were like fifty or seventy-five cents. I don't I, know. I know that cigarettes were like fifty cents or around there in those days. Oh gosh. We both should like go and look at like those old sites, but I think that would scare me because I already feel like I already feel like a grandma sometimes. Mm. Yeah, I know what you so mean. Yeah, well, you you look pretty handsome, Grandpa. Same to you, Grandma. <laughs> hey, you ain't picking up on me, are you? No, <laughs> not yet. Okay, I'm just gonna say hi, Chris Dana John's um, girlfriend. <laughs> She's not here. No, that's good. I'll <laughs> okay, so um, let's talk about like some of early. One early one last thing about one last thing about Top Jimmy though is that at that time he was um, I think he influenced a lot of people and and you know added a, a different element to that um, you know alt country um, uh, movement that was happening. And yeah. it was, 
it felt good. I mean, it felt good to, to have those books come out, but it also felt good to be able to, to shine some light on people like Tomato to Plenty or um, Top Jimmy, who are these um, unsung heroes and, and, kind of, and people that, that deserved more than what they got at the time. And, and they were iconic be, in LA. Yeah, deserve to be remembered, and and that's 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 kind of a good feeling, you know, to to shine some light on on other people. Well, the thing that the thing that I love about your books, and I would have loved even if I wasn't in both of them, is that this is like the real shit that went on. I mean, if you look at other punk books, I mean, I can't even tell you. I'm sure you've noticed this, except that you you are like so famous um, that they wouldn't like they wouldn't like make assumptions about X or misidentify people. But like, I've been in a million punk books, a picture of me and it says British punk 1978 or something, yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? I or, or they would just get like so much stuff. I mean, I, I love the attention behind the, the real punk books, but done by people that weren't there because I love that people are so like completely into it and want to record sure. it. But, but the, the level of, um, Research, especially now with social media, would be so much easier to conduct. You know, because you can yeah. just you can just talk to all the old timers that are still here from then. Well, that was that was one of the one of the reasons that we did it too. Is to and and we're lucky to get those audio books and um, yeah, I mean at least it's there now and and uh, nobody can take it away. So, is there going to be another one happening? Do you think? I, I, we could kind of aged <laughs> aged out of being current, you know, then that's we late eighties, early nineties. I mean, no, we don't, we weren't part of it really. Yeah. For somebody else to do. Yeah. It would have to be, um, it would have to be like, more, like the, the next gen. It was like, yes, yes, indeed. But anyway, what? you were going to, you're going to move forward in, and I interrupted you with the top Jimmy thing. No, I think that was great. I, I, I love talking over people and I love it when people talk over me. <laughs> um, so like, I just want to hear about some of your memories of the mask or just like some crazy stories. So for anyone that's not listening, I mean, that's not um, knowing what the mask is for any listeners. Blah, blah, blah. See, my coffee is not even fully hit. Um, so the mask was an underground club in LA run by Brendan Mullen. And it was like, seriously, like the first only punk club in LA, like the, the one that wasn't an established legal club because the mask was totally illegal. And even though you guys might know this, it was in the basement of the pussycat theater, a porn theater, um, on Hollywood Boulevard in Cherokee. And, um, this was where all the seminal, LA punk bands played many for their first performances. Like the Go-Go's first show was there um, and countless others. I think Black Randy's first show was there. Is that right, John? Yeah, probably. I, yeah. I don't know. There was the, anyway, the ma and so the mask was also a rehearsal space and it was right across the street from the Canterbury arms where so many people in our scene lived. And it was just like, you know, it was conveniently located on Hollywood Boulevard because there was a jack-in-the-box like three doors away where you could get quaaludes. Uh, <laughs> oh, see, I didn't know and that. Then, yeah, and there was liquor stores that didn't card you really close, too. So yes, that's it was true. a win-win 
it was a win-win situation. <laughs> That's what All they right, say, so location, anyway. location, location. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was awesome. I, I think the, um, I can't, I, I think the most, the, the best show I saw there was probably the weirdos after the weirdos had, had, um, you know, established themselves. They played a few shows and it was, they were so loud and the, the PA could barely keep up with it, but it was completely packed. I mean, which is probably 150 people. Um, and, and it just, that was one of the points at which I, I realized, oh, there is really something going on. You know, this isn't just a little bit here, and a little, you know, this isn't just a bunch of renegade weirdos. It is actually something. This is something. So that was, yeah. that was great. Um, I remember, I remember some, somebody spitting on Xene, uh, not at that show, but at some other uh, less attended. It was... Um, oh, at the mask? At the mask. And yeah, I, I put, think I remember that too. Didn't it go like right in her eye or something? I don't know. It was just, it was, uh, we were in the audience and, and he, you know, turned around and spit on her and I grabbed him by the neck and walked him across the, the room and, and, you know, pinned him up against the wall and then just let him go. And he seemed to get the, get the message. Um, but there, yeah, there was so much crazy shit going on there. I think we shared the, the rehe we rehearsed there for a little while just before it closed and we shared it with the Go-Go's. Um, I think before, Alyssa left or maybe right around that time. Yeah. Yeah. Which I saw that the uh, Go-Go's documentary. You're really good. And, and that's a good documentary. You I did. I'm, I'm going to actually, I'm watching it tonight. It's good. You'll, you'll be pleased. You'll yeah. Be pleased. I can't Everybody. And it's, it's surprisingly uh, vulnerable and heartfelt. I thought that everybody would be more protective about their, not about their, you know, shenanigans, but just about, how they felt when shit went south. Right. But um, they're very vulnerable and, and very courageous. Yeah, all that stuff we're, we're learning that we should do better. But um, I don't actually remember playing at the mask. I remember best playing at the mask with the randoms, which was, mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, Pat Rand, or Rand Pat McNally, and... Um, uh, no, Pat Rand was, his, yeah, his real name was um, Pat McNally, but he caught, Rand McNally, but his real name, I can't even remember what his last name was, but the randoms for anyone listening Pat, was KK. Uh, Pat Garrett. Pat Garrett, yeah, like yeah. Billy the Kid. And everyone yeah. would think that was a fake name. I so him, he, <laughs> which I saw him in Tulsa not too long ago, and he's he's had a, a pretty great life. He's a, a like an architect or something like that, and, and he... Uh, He's got a couple grown-up kids, and he's he's actually, you know, was one of those people that you kind of knew was going to be okay. He wasn't totally out of his fucking mind, and, and he, he did good. He did good. But uh, I don't yeah, remember, it was, was KK playing drums? Who played drums on that? Yeah, KK was the drummer, and, um, yeah. and also just for anyone listening, um, these were the people, KK and Pat Rand, um, were the ones that lived in Danger House. And the house was called Danger House. And that was why it was called Danger House Records. So the record yes. that the Randoms put out was Let's Get Rid of New York uh, on the A side. And then ABCD, which was a song I think KK had written, or they had mm -hmm. both written together in Oklahoma. Yeah. Um, the Oklahoma but, Contingent. 
And the yes, reason exactly. that it got, it, called, it got called Danger House, I think it was, I don't know the, that um, the KK lived there. Maybe he did, but. No, he uh, did. Some, oh, yeah. But there were some kids in the neighborhood that would see them come and go from this house. And it was the kids in the neighborhood that nicknamed it Danger House because they looked like, like bad characters. They yeah, they like, looked like yeah, stranger God. danger. You know, so, <laughs> so, so the kids called the, yeah, the place they lived Danger House, which they didn't have I any didn't idea. I didn't know how, that. Yeah, they That's didn't have. Amazing. They had no idea how twisted Black Randy was. <laughs> yeah, that was the one to really be afraid of. God Almighty, Black Randy. God, what a what a fucking psychopath he was. I woke up yesterday with my 22-year-old neighbor blasting trouble at the cup. That was how I woke up. I was, I was like barely awake. I was about to make coffee. And I hear coming from the yard, Dukes fight, Banks hate. And I was like, what? Oh, here's a, here's a fun fact is that um, I, I was playing bass on, I played bass on that song. And, um, and we could never we could never figure out when to go to the chorus because the, the verses were all different lengths. Yes. <laughs> and so uh, the, first, the first verse ended with, I think I'll just sit, stand here and, uh, and uh, hold my dick or something. It ended with oh, dick. Sell, sell my dick, I believe. <laughs> sell my dick, yes. I'll just stand here and sell my dick. And then the, the, the uh, dick's fight. And then the second verse ended with fight. And the third verse ended with uh, dicks fight, banks hate. Okay, and the third okay. verse ended with hate, right? <laughs> and so I w we were trying to figure out like, shit, when do we go to the chorus? Shit. And then <laughs> I, I realized that they ended like dicks fight, banks hate. And, and I, I said, okay, guys, when you hear <laughs> these words, that's when it, you go to the next measure, you go to the chorus, right? And so that's why Randy counted it off. Dicks fight, banks hate. Oh, that's why he counted it off. <laughs> I thought he was spelling it randomly. Yeah. <laughs> also, it sounds like he's talk, saying it in a fake British accent, but I know he wasn't. He was like, dicks fight, banks hate. Yeah. Oh, he, like I say, he was, he was so nuts. He was so funny but so crazy. Do you, do you remember that insanely giant screamers party that the, um, the screamers had at the Wilton Hilton for Blondie and the Ramones? And um, when Black Randy took a whole pot of spaghetti sauce off the, um, off the stove and dumped it over his head in the middle of the, <laughs> in the oh, middle God. of the kitchen, which had like at least 30 people in it. And then, and then he I went was, running down the back stairs with the pot still on his head, screaming, going, running towards Danger House. God. No, I, I, I think we must have been out of town. We unfortunately missed a, a beautiful event, minus the <laughs> spaghetti pot. God. Yeah, those, those days were fucking crackers. So, um... <laughs> Tell me, um, tell me some crazy road stories from the early or later days of X. Like, oh I, God! Like, you know, because everyone has the craziest tour stories. Yeah, 
You know, I'm really bad at that. It's, it's kind of like, who are your, when someone says, who are your five favorite, you know, what's your five best bands? You know, you, you immediately can't think of Blank any. Out. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's talk about the zero zero then the other illegal club, because you were way involved in that. And I don't yes. think enough people know about that. And well, we were also inebriated that, you know, like any memory that's recorded is good because. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was a genius thing that, that, um, uh, Wayzata and, and, uh, John, um, Pocno. Pocno had, and, and somehow David, uh, David Lee Roth was involved in that too. Yeah. He was like, he was kind of like, um, Silent backer. Yeah, yeah, because I think he like gave them rent money or something. Yeah. Um, I mean, it was it was a a, a dream because you could go there after the bars were closed, and and stay until the sun came up, and it was it was in a back room of a art gallery, uh, and they did sort of have shows, but I don't ever really remember. Yeah, they- they didn't have like real full shows, but um, I'm just going to say this before we go on about it to, to, for the listeners. So it started off being called the Zero Zero, and it was on Cahuenga in Hollywood, north of Franklin Avenue. So it was up near the freeway. And the building that it was in and next to at that time period was completely vacant. It was an old 20s building. So there was no like real neighbors around there. And, right. you know, even though LAPD you know, was probably around there. It didn't get busted, but it moved around to quite a few places because it was illegal and it wound up getting busted because it, it was always like, it was crazy. So anyway, the first the first one was on Kawanga. The second one was on Gardner Street, just above Sunset in the basement of the theater. And then like the third um, one was on Vine, like south of... Uh, South of Selma, and then, no, South of Sunset, and then there was another one um, above, in the loft, above Playmates of Hollywood, a lingerie store on Hollywood right. and Wilcox. Right. But, uh, right. but anyhow, so we're, we're talking right now about the first one. So I just wanted to say that because people... Sure, it was, sure, it was sure. a floating underground club, like if it was the 20s, Al Capone would have been there. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily we didn't attract any gangs, any real gangsters. Um, Wait, that we know of. <laughs> that, we, that we know of. I'm sure there were some firearms. But the, but, uh, the LAPD did bust that first place a couple of times. Because yeah. yeah. I remember having to, you know, stand out on Cahuenga Boulevard, you know, being patient. Line not up to, against oh, the wall, like literally oh, yeah. up against the wall. Yeah, yeah. Um, God, I... I do remember, um, what do I remember of, of the, it was just a, a place that you could um, continue bullshitting. And, you know, of course, the, uh, the drug of choice other than beer was uh, any kind of speed, um, usually like black beauties or, or something like that. Um, so we There was would, a lot of cocaine there too. Uh, I don't remember the cocaine so much. That was a, a little bougie I, I remember for us. We, we were more no, I... <laughs> No, David Lee Roth had it, like in the in the back room. Oh. There was, oh, yeah. you know. Oh, there you go. Well, yeah. see, you you would get into that back room. I, me, not so much. Really, you were weird. never in the back room. I don't think so. Now, wait, now you would be John. No. <laughs> yeah, no. Whatever. You were a good looking. You, you were a good looking um, uh, teenager or twenty uh, something. 
So anyway. Um, <laughs> you, you corrected it because the first sentence sounded so wrong. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hey, you know, uh, I, I, I'm clean. I, I don't have anything to worry about. Oh, but anyway. Totally. Um, no, I, it was when, when the blasters had first started coming, coming around. We had played with them a little bit. I remember talking to Darby a couple times there when he was really um, struggling with like his demons and, but, but I don't remember what the conversations were about, except that, that he was just, you know, really sad and, and confused and sad about, you know, what had always becoming of the scene, but he didn't have any other experience so that he couldn't, um, he couldn't understand that, that things change and you can, you know, still be yourself and change with it. But it was pretty clear that he was, you know, kind of fucked up about his sexuality and, and all that kind of stuff. And I kept trying to encourage him that it's going to be okay. And, but that didn't, <laughs> that didn't work out so well, but um, yeah, I, that was a, that was a dark and wonderful place. Yeah. And um, that the, the, um, the janitors or the people that, that, cleaned up after all of our mess. And I'm sure they loved the job because the perks were finding all the drugs on the floor. Was, yes, <laughs> was Top Jimmy and El Duce from The Mentors. Oh, God. Another. And then was it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the list of characters uh, goes on and on and on. Of the, of the crazy characters. Yeah. Oh, used to like whip out his dick and try to pee on people at the zero when it was on, um, yeah. on the playmate one. I remember. Yeah. Yeah. Fun times. Fun <laughs> times. And Carlos, Carlos Catarlos being the bouncer and being all gacked out and, and drunk at the same time. And good Lord. Good Do you old remember Carlos. that bouncer? Do you remember that bouncer, Danielle, the tweaking Rican? He was a Puerto Rican guy from New York and he called himself the Tweakin' Rican. Do you remember this? He would wear like a hockey mask that was spray painted silver and he had silver stegosauruses mounted on his shoulders of his leather jacket that looked like, like football, like arm. I, I just remember that. <laughs> Good Lord. So crazy. And also Tito from of, the Plugs was on the, the board of directors too. You and Exine and yes. Dave Alvin and Tito from the Plugs. Yes. Have you, I do have, remember. Have you, and, and there was, a, there was also that, um, that uh, um, transvestite Jane who would, who would go there frequently. She was really tall and Bill Bateman was, was really enamored with her and, and somebody had to pull Bill aside and say, you know, that's a man, right, Bill? And he was like, what? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't really know. And that was, uh, we got a lot of uh, laughs out of that. We got a lot of mileage out of. He didn't he know was, a lot he, of stuff. But he did. In, in his defense, he did go back and continue to talk to him, her, them. <laughs> to them. Now, now to we them. would say that. To them. One time, um, Tequila Mockingbird, who, um, for the listeners, runs the punk museum here or has something to do with it here, she was always on the scene, too, and she would sing with the Brainiacs. But um, one time she was, an, um, she's, a, she's a cis woman, so one time she was sitting on Bill Bateman's lap, and he was like, you know how 
Buster always goes, ha, ha, ha. Like, well, maybe you don't know that, but when he's with girls, he likes, he gets this little, like, it's, it's like a cross between a happy five-year-old and a pervy grandpa. Kind of, <laughs> hi, Buster, <laughs> you're listening. <laughs> so Tequila was somehow sitting on, on his lap. I mean, when I say somehow, like, some of the shit that looked like hookups at the zero, back me up on this, John. Like, you would see it and you'd be like, what? Like, there'd be people who, like, in the daylight would probably never even talk to each other. But right. then, yeah. <laughs> but so she was sitting on his lap and he was like, he was like getting all ready to, he was all cuddling her up and stuff and they were drinking and then he stroked her hair and her whole wig flew off. <laughs> oh. You know, but she didn't care. She was laughing and he was horrified, horrified. <laughs> yeah. But they weren't necessarily hookups. It was sometimes just, you know, okay, we'll just do this for a little while and, and then, and then. Oh, we yeah. Were. Yeah. It was good. Yeah. I didn't even mean like hookup really in that. Well, maybe yeah. I, I did kind of, because some of it was hookups, but some of it was just in the moment. Okay, so were you ever at any of those after parties that were at, um, like, always Durf Scratch from Fear went there, David Lee Roth went sometimes, Bob Forrest always did. I was always this, um, there was this girl who was, like, a serious real-life socialite in Beverly Hills, and her name was Electra, and she would have parties after the zero that would go on until, like, three in the afternoon oh or in the night. Did you ever no. go to those? No. After, <laughs> after, after hours. Yeah. Wow. Like at that point, you just call it 24 hours. <laughs> 24 hour party people. No, I'm, I think one of the reasons that um, maybe one of the reasons I survived is because if, if I would, you know, do everything I could, once the sun came up, I, there would be a, a, an autumn something inside me that would go, okay, you, you, proved, your, you proved your point. <laughs> you did all that, and now it's a new day, and now it's time to power down. I wouldn't think, like, oh, shit, the speed's wearing off. I better go get some more. Yeah, you would just think I'd better pass out. It'd be like, okay, yeah, I did that. Mm, cool. That was fun for, you know, 36 hours. <laughs> That's enough. Or 24. Let's see. I, I don't know. I'd have to figure it out. Let's say you got up at, at uh, 11. You went till 11 at night. Yeah, it was about 12, 24 hours, you know. But I would say, yeah, that's enough of that. I was really glad for that, um, you know, survival technique. Or, or that, uh, yeah. Good God. That's a good survival technique. Yeah. Sheesh. I remember um, one time, Boom Boom, um, my Screaming Sirens drummer, and I were, uh, we were with Bob Forrest, and I think it might have been Rock Vodka, and I think also Tony Alva was in the car, and we were driving around looking for drugs from the Zero. Like still, I mean, after the zero, you know, and mm -hmm. it was like, it was probably like nine or 10 in the morning. And then somehow a police chase started with, um, in order to get rid of like the beer bottles that were in our car, like they were getting flung out of the, the windows on both sides. <laughs> like, and then, 
We all we all got wound up, put on the ground, like like spread eagle on the ground on Highland, Highland Avenue, which is a main thoroughfare in Hollywood during rush hour. But me and Boom Boom were both wearing like we were wearing our little cowboy boots with fishnets. And we both had on like jean cutoffs that are made into skirts that were like about 12 inches long. So like a oh, fucking God. like underwear and asses were just hanging out in the middle of rush hour. And it was causing a shower <laughs> before we all went to the to the Wilcox Hollywood station. <laughs> oh God. You crazy kids. Yeah. Yeah. Um so what should we th- let's talk about some um well we can talk about whatever you want to talk about. Is there anything you particularly want to say? Because I have some ideas, but I just want to lead this conversation. Yeah, no, you're the where- you're the is, this is your podcast, my lady. <laughs> Okay, talk about that time when you and I went to Paris and got secretly married. No, I'm just, yeah. <laughs> how, where did you propose to me? No, on the bridge where all the locks are. I, I don't know. See, you're exactly right. Staring yes. at Notre Dame before it got burned down. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um. Let, let's uh, let's let's talk about your um your new record. I love it so much. Alphabet Land. Well, actually. It's not quite that new. It's still new, but yeah, the we can say it's hasn't new. worn up. Yeah. Um, I just forget because of pandemic. It could be a year and a half old now, and I would still think it was new. No, it's, 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 uh, BC, it's, uh, uh, you know, BC before Corona uh, or during <laughs> Corona, DC. Um, <laughs> you know, what can I say except that we're incredibly lucky that we actually got around to, to making a record and then incredibly lucky we, that we finished it as the shit was hitting the fan. Um, literally, we were mixing and um, had one day all together on Friday the 13th of uh, March. And then I left the next, or maybe it was the 12th. Maybe, let's say it, it probably was Thursday the 12th because then I spent one more day uh, helping to mix or just listening and then left back to Austin on uh, Saturday, the 14th. And, you know, it was just a, it was a, it was a good, but long process. And, and, and it was so much more collaborative cause you know, we've dropped a lot of our bullshit ego. Well, at least I, I can speak for myself trying to. <laughs> and um, no, really, because, because in the in the past and, and on, on this record there were several songs where the where obviously the verse chord changes weren't working. And in the past I would have said, that's the way it was written, um, that's the way it's gonna be. And and this time I I would, you know, say, Okay, well what do you want to do? Or go back and cut out some of the chord changes, or Billy would say, What if we drop this chord change and what if we just made it two? Or we just rewrite it and keep the keep the words and the rhythm the same and, and then, you know, kind of mess with the melody and mess with stuff so that it, it seemed right rather than trying to hammer it into place. And, and, and that was pretty rewarding to, to, to have like a group effort and, and really be a, a band, which we are and, you know, play all the time or did, but doing a record is a whole different animal as, yeah. as you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was goodbye year goodbye was that on purpose any kind of a corona song or does that just was that like more like a, a oh like no I, I, 
I kind of I wrote that probably November of 2019. For like you know? for a New Year's Eve sign. Yeah, basically, you know, just uh, thinking, you know, remembering as as one thing changes to another. You know, like just that because yeah. I'm always um, fascinated by that moment of change. You know, because yeah. somebody something can can change radically in a in a moment just by your. Uh, point of view by your attitude about it by by you know what what your what you think about something can change so quickly um, or even like a, a point of fate too I mean you could be <laughs> right you know yeah if, if you have faith in something and then it's proved to be to be right then then your faith is is uh Made bigger and, and validated yeah. and, and stuff like that. But I mean, a lot of the a lot of the the lyrics are stuff we've been writing about forever. Um, yeah. Whether it was you know, the world's a mess, it's in my kiss, or the have-nots, and or you know, water and wine. You know, who gets water, who gets wine? You know, like yeah. access, and that's one of my big um, <laughs> peeves. Pet peeves is like access. Like, sure, I like going backstage, but but the whole. Um, you know, the rich get richer and the poor get poor. I mean, if there's anything in this pandemic that's, that's uh, coming to light is, is how, how much more people who don't have money suffer and how much more money, you know, billionaires are making during this whole fucking thing. So. Yeah. And, I mean, we, we all knew that, but now it's just like, I mean, now also it's just getting reported so insanely Yes. Yeah. on the news as every part of this pandemic do you have any, um, do, well, okay, before we go on to talk about other shit, I just have to say that when I was listening to Alphabet Land, I loved it so much because it sounded like such classic X, but it also, went, like, I didn't know what you were just talking about, but it seemed like it veered into different directions for me. It sounded like every part of X that I've known and loved for, well, more than half my life. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Way more than half my life. Good job. But then, yeah, it was just like it sounded new and fresh at the same time without like, you know, there was like, it wasn't like you changed direction, but there was just like in the, in the infinite sparkly little molecules of it, there was difference that I, that yeah. I, that I heard. Well, you know, we, we tried to play to our strengths and, and as yeah. the songs, as the songs got developed, then we, you know, uh, uh, ask DJ to play something that is that that is um, that that's a stronger way that he can approach a song, like not playing a lot of cymbals and playing on tom toms, and you know any opportunity of giving Billy something that's that's more of a rockabilly um, thing, he would gravitate towards that. And if there's any point that Exine and I could sing together, then we would do that. And you know, but sometimes it's not hard. It's not easy to figure out what your strengths are. So we just kind of, maybe that's what all the, um, you know, years and years of, of gigging and just being a band um, helped with, you know, without, and, but we knew, we also knew we didn't want to like reinvent the wheel because yeah. we know, you know, God, at this point we should, we should know who we are, but <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but you wanted to talk about ghosty stuff, and yeah. I don't have a lot of ghosty stuff. Uh, there was I had, more witchy shit, anything occulty. Yeah, I've, I've had a few, you know, visitations, um, where like Exine and I had 
would have the same dream at the same time. And now um, my uh, partner, Christy, and I will, will kind of call each other up and say, do you want to do this? And one was just about to call the other and, and say that same thing. So there's, you know, I think if you get connected to someone um, completely enough and, and fully enough and you trust them enough, then you can start um, communicating without actually talking. You can, you can just yeah. communicate ESP wise. Um, but I believe in ghosts. I've, I've had an, enough, um, experience with with weird shit happening and, and i love that I, I love the mystery with a with a capital m you know whether it's um spiritual uh in a traditional way i think whatever people put their minds to and their soul and and um you know not just the brain but the whole package and if you believe it enough and you put that much energy into it then it happens. And yeah, exactly. Manifestation. Yeah, yeah. 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 And um, so, sometimes I think, I mean, I always believe in that, but I also believe like there's, there's, I believe that there's like confluences of like little vortexes with, within the universe of like, play, you know, like when you're seeing a cheesy movie and, well, it's pretty obvious that the two main people with top billing are going to fall in love or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> but at first, they don't like each other and they don't quite trust each other. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I feel like there's little bits of time like that too. And I definitely feel like like LA in the late 70s and early 80s was one of those vortexes. And it's 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 not just like because... I mean, I always, even in those days, and I said this in, in you and Tom's books, but I mean, it was like, to me, I immediately pegged it as like Paris in the 20s or Greenwich Village or North Beach in, in San Francisco mm -hmm. in the 50s um, because it was like a special time. But I feel like like there's those kind of things that draw people together too because especially in those days and before, there was, there was no such fucking thing as like social media, which I always have to remind the youngins <laughs> let alone smartphones or email or anything you know and well yeah that that has to do with um uh creativity as well yes but that's also it's also like that like what you were just talking about if you know someone that well that you can you can communicate non-verbally like sort of telepathically and i i have that all the time with people but I kind of sometimes feel that people were drunk. Like, how did, how did anyone fucking find out where the mask was? Like, when they had never been. Or, I mean, I know some people would get a landline call saying, hey, there's this new club. But, I mean, everyone yeah. just managed to meet. I still try to figure that out these days. Do you ever, like, wonder how the hell we met everybody? <laughs> yeah, because everybody talk, called on the phone. People would talk on the phone for hours and hours, hours. and hours. Yes. Yeah. It was insane. I mean, not, not just a... Um, single conversation, but, but maybe 15 conversations that were all, you know, 20 to 30 minutes long during oh, yeah, the day. Please. Yeah. Yeah. Those were, yeah, those were because good. you, you had to have, I mean, I met Exene through a, a writing poetry workshop. And the reason that I, the reason she went there is because she, because she got a job there. And the reason that I went there is because I thought I might meet, you know, some, 
interesting people because I didn't know anybody in Los Angeles. You know, I was down in Venice and, and it's like, well, I'm going to tr- go someplace and because you, you had to be brave and just kind of try shit out and you'd go there and it would, oh, this sucks. So I'm not going to go back there. Um, yeah, you had to be fearless and just try shit out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about, um, I, I think I told you this. Okay, so I stayed in your house, in you and Exine's house on Genesee. Um, oh, when you guys went on tour, do you remember when I was staying there? Um, I sort of do, yeah. Yeah, you, so I lived there for like, I think it was like two months or a little, maybe a little longer or shorter, but it was right when um, you guys were going on tour. And so I was like su- subleasing it from you. And for listeners, this is the house that was in the decline of Western civilization, the, the, right. the famous X house on Genesee in Hollywood. So the first, the first night that I was staying there, this was a tiny little adobe, like stucco duplex from the 1920s, like right on a main street. And the bedroom had its um, one window right on Santa Monica Boulevard. And, and the bed was pushed up right against that window. And um, so I was laying in there and all of a sudden they heard these crazy thuds on the wall. And this was super late at night or early in the wee hours. And I, at first I thought it was like raccoons. Then I thought it was ghosts. And then I thought it was someone like trying to break into the house because it was so fucking loud. And um, it was two men from the the leather gay bar across the street <laughs> having the spike, yeah, having sex up against the bedroom window. Because as soon as I got the, the nerve to look out, I saw them and they were all leather daddy dot. And I was like, oops, sorry. <laughs> like that. Ah, the good old days. <laughs> as long yeah, as you're not going to kill me, go ahead and have sex up against the side of the house. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I, I can't tell you the number of times that people would pee in this, in this little square of dirt. And there was a some sort of a tree bush, just oh, yeah. the, as you're facing the house, just to the left of the staircase, because yeah. it had little yeah. like six sta- four stairs going up to the to the front door. Oh my god, yeah. And and in the summer, of course, we didn't have any air conditioning because you don't really need it that much in in LA. Uh, we would hear this the the tambourine from the spike. Oh, yeah. I mean, for hours. I mean, it would start at six o'clock in the afternoon and it was yeah. going to closing. I was like, oh my, it's ah! a <laughs> <laughs> No wonder you wanted to go on tour so <laughs> No, but I love that. I, I, I mean, there was a love-hate, but I, I thought, you know, this is what I moved to LA for is to be part of some bunch of weirdos and, and, you know, subcultures and, and, and it was always a point of pride that, that we live next door to the, to the spike. Um, <laughs> and then there was a pawn shop right, you know, next to it. Oh, yeah. of course, Hollywood Boulevard was, I mean, uh, San, Santa Monica Boulevard was famous for all the, the gay hookers, the, the, the young boys that would, hang out on the street corners at that point. Yeah, when was, they weren't at the gold cup. <laughs> yeah, which was great. I mean, I, I, that, was, that was part of the, uh, you know, uh, cool. I'm, I want to be weird. This is Hollywood. Isn't this where we can do that, you know? And 
In those days, the girl hookers that were a little bit, the girl hookers were, oddly enough, were a little bit more west towards WeHo is now like the, the boy place. But the boys used to be more up towards regular Hollywood, I remember. But the girls yep. were so brazen. Remember the Institute of Oral Love? Do you remember that place? No. It was a it was a giant big pink building that had a big lips on it and it said in oh, huge letters yes. the Institute of Oral Love. But those hookers would have they had space heaters when it got cold at night like they had like battery powered space heaters. Like that's how entrenched they were on the sidewalk and the cops didn't even care. Yeah. Well, I re- and, and I remember more um prostitutes on sun on sunset those and are like Selma kind of the, too. Yeah, the high class where they would dress up in in outfits, you know, like a, a tennis outfit, you know, with, with a racket yeah. and things like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think oh, some of that, was, some of that was for fetish, but some of it was a cop decoy, so they could pretend they were like a Beverly Hills housewife. Right. But I right. could just imagine the tennis rackets coming in handy with clients, you know. Like. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. God Almighty. I'm trying to think there was one other thing that I wanted to talk to you and now I'm blanking out. I'm digging this ditch in the green, green grass. You're talking to the sun in the sky. Water's coming down the mountain behind where we sleep in this town. Try to make a pond Or maybe a lake Where the water is fresh and clean The sun says okay And you walk home Your job is done for today I could talk to you for hours. I would say some of the, um, you know, memorable tour things. It's it's not like crazy stories as much. Yeah, hey, I just telepathed that to you. Go ahead. <laughs> well, um, yes, there you go. Is is just that uh, is is how um, even though we didn't tour a lot by you know today's standards, where people go on tour for a year and a half and stuff like that. Yeah. Because of the because of the way that we toured, you know, even if it was for four to six weeks, it was so freaking grueling. Even oh, even yeah. as young people, you know, we would get in our uh, step van and and just go and go and go and go and go and and you know maybe we would have a night off a week, sometimes not, and it was you yeah. know long drives and and. Uh, but we no air conditioning. What's that? No air conditioning. We did not have air conditioning. You are correct. I know, neither, neither, <laughs> neither, neither did we. <clears throat> I, think Bob, I think Bob Forrest uh, ended up buying that, that van. Who knows what, whatever happened to it. Probably got sent to the junkyard. He probably wrecked it within a, uh, a couple of months. But, um, but I would say that the, the, the best part of releasing 
Alphabet Land now is has been the um, people's reaction, you know, the uh, fans' reaction, because we kind of just dropped it. We we had planned on you know setting up the whole traditional way of doing it, and Fat Possum is a is a really solid indie label, and they said, look, let's just put it on Bandcamp, and and we'll figure it out from there because we're not sure when the like pressing plant and the printers and all those guys are going to be back up to full speed. Turns out it's going to come out, you know, the, the CD's already out and the um, vinyl is coming out like the beginning of August or something like that. But it was like people were very uh, at loose ends. And, and you know, if, if something comes out and you're, you, a piece of art comes out and you're particularly vulnerable, then it's that much more meaningful, you know? And then it's yeah. like, wow, that's speaking to me. Like we were saying about how some of the, the lyrics seemed very timely. It was just because you're feeling it. So you're looking for it. I mean, it was, it's true that there were some, some great um, coincidences or, or not coincidence, you know, that, that we yeah. had kind of said, okay, shit's serious. You know, you got to think about how you live your life and, and what's important and stuff like that. Um, but that, that felt great. You know, there were so many different people that, that said that they needed it. And, and, and it, you know, I was so glad, so glad that we made a pretty up-tempo record that, that didn't have any slow, sad shit in it. And, uh, and, and that way, you know, people could bounce around the room for 27 minutes and, and feel good, at least for that period. In the privacy of their own lockdown. No. <laughs> I'm telling you, I like we were saying before we started recording this. It it's minute to minute and and hour to hour and and I think it's great that that people are cutting themselves and their friends and their loved ones a break and and letting people know that if if I can say anything to anybody, it's like I know, man, I'm with you. I I understand that it's really hard if if you don't have your career and your job and like, fuck, I just hope that we get to play <laughs> at some point, you know, maybe, yeah. next year. May, but that's, that's frightening to think that it, it may be another year from now. And oh no, that's God. terrifying. I know. I know all of it. It's so, I mean, and I, I, my, I go back and forth like <laughs> within the space of seconds from thinking like, like I put on my mask to go and leave the house and that, that seems like a completely normal, like now unconscious action. But then the minute I see other people wearing masks every time it, it never, I'm like, Oh yeah, we're in a pandemic. Like, like yeah. I, I just like, there's that moment of shock. And then when I think we're in a pandemic, I always in my head see pictures of the 1918 flu as opposed to like people in pajamas from target. But I, I was like, wow, this is a historical <laughs> But I think this is a historical moment, and then I'm, and then I get all like, "This is fucked. This is yes. so fucked." <laughs> so, okay, so you have some, you have some righteous rage about this being yeah. fucked. Um, how do you, how do you control your rage against people that are not wearing masks? Do you just shake your head? I mean, I'm not one of those people that yells at them for not wearing masks. I live in, in my neighborhood in Hollywood and also like around Silver Lake because um, I've talked to friends and, you know, friends that are mm -hmm. from there um, in Silver Lake. 
there's like this whole bunch of people that I guess it's, it's almost like rich privilege, like, or, you know, upwardly mobile, like movie industry privilege or hipster privilege or whatever, without wearing masks. Like one day I counted like four, there was 42 people on the street and out of 42, five of them were wearing masks and I was one of them. So that's like one in 10. And this isn't even like at a place where people are jogging. It's not at a park or something. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And um, I just don't know. They didn't even have it like hanging off their ear or around their neck. But now I'm starting to see that a little bit more in LA because it's mandated. Like it's, it's, you have to have a mask or there's like a giant ticket, but I don't know. And then all the mask conspiracy shit or, you know, calling people sheep and all that stuff. It's, that's just all, I mean, I'm like number one girl willing to believe any conspiracy thing, but I'm, so I, I fully believe that like the virus was manufactured, you know, in a fucking like CIA thing in in Wuhan or whatever. Do you <laughs> really think so? I'm no, I I just embrace all that stuff. I mean, oh, I okay. I do I do kind of there's there's a lot of parts about this that completely seem like a Manchurian candidate to me. Like like when they're in the beginning, all the the slogans sound like slogans that would be from 1984. Like we're all in this together, or just just the repeated things of wash your hands, wash your hands, wash your hands. And I was like, we're not fucking in kindergarten. Well, why don't you just make a song about it? Like, so. Right. Um, but I'm still not going to not wear a mask because like my sister had it, you know? Yeah. My sister had Corona. I mean, all of, I don't know. It's all over the place. I know. Well, let's not end on a, a no, I was just going to say, I was just going to say exactly the same thing. <laughs> it's so easy. It's so easy to, to do that. Cause it's, yeah, it's a, it's a bummer, but we just got to do what we can and, and, and know that there's a lot of, uh, everybody feels a, a lot of the same stuff and, and to be empathetic. Maybe that's the whole point of it. Yeah. Everyone's, everyone's learning empathy. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that's it. So what do you right. what what are your plans for the next? Uh, are, are you going to get an, an RV and go camping? Um, I would I would love to do something like that. Like I mean, because that 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 would that would go right back to being on tour life though, except without the without all yeah. the coke and speed and Jack Daniels. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe I don't know if I if, if I hired me a driver, maybe I could do. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm, I'm still like for right now, I'm staying put here because I'm doing a bunch of like writing and, um, like I've got a couple of books that I'm actually like really working on and, you know, doing tarot readings and stuff. But I want to, I want to go on a deserted, um, deserted America tour before everyone totally gets back out on the road so i wish i wish i could do it in an ambulance in my nurse's outfit maybe that will happen <laughs> <laughs> then you might have With to, the put to work then you get put to I work know, that's, okay i'm gonna put that out there in the in the get her, uh, get her. she's a nurse <laughs> hey um, so, nurse <laughs> so what do you think what do you think about the um Oh, the 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 Lion's Gate. My, Chrissy's uh, much more into into mystical. Um, oh, the Lion's Gate. That happens all the time. Yeah, I mean but that's like once once a year. Right, but there's a new there's a like it's a the beginning of some new galactic uh, millennium or oh. something that just happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
What's your, you, you have to, you have to leave something behind and have your intention uh, on something yes, else. Yes, to carry it into the, into the, the yeah. new age. Yeah, not the new age, like the new age, but into the new, yeah. No, there's, there's, um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not like making light of this, but there's crazy shit and portals like that happening all, 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 all the time. Like, yeah. I've, of different resets and, and you know what I mean? Like, like even, you know, you know that like just recently we had six planets in retrograde, right? I did not know that. I know there's Oh my God. Huh? I know there's been several eclipses. Oh yeah. Well, it's always eclipse season around this time, but we had, we had Mercury, Saturn, Jupiter, Venus, Pluto. And now I'm like, did I say Saturn already? I can't say this off the top. There was six fucking planets in retrograde. Mm. Um, and that, that's why a lot of us felt uber insane in the past couple of months. It wasn't only because of oh, lockdown or corona stuff. I mean, it was like people were examining like repressed emotions, even if they didn't believe in any of this shit. Like, I can't even tell you how many tarot clients and energy healing clients I got during that while I myself was having moments of greatness and then moments of... <laughs> <laughs> well that's when that's yeah that test tests your um your strength your your inner strength like you can rise to the occasion to to yeah help other people even if you need help yourself yeah i mean i mean you know that's like i i don't know in some ways i think of like metaphysical work as a form of nursing <laughs> or do, or a oh, doctor yeah. you know what i mean yeah really because it is Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, you think you got what you need? Of I'm going to go back to doing nothing. I'm going to say, no, baby. I always need more. No. <laughs> it was so good to talk to you, John. It's good oh, to so talk good. to you, too. I miss seeing you from time to time in the, in the physical world, but you can call me up anytime. Yeah, same. Not even for a podcast. All right. Well, yeah, you should let me read your cards one time. Uh, to be honest, I get really scared about that. I knew you were going to say that as soon as you said, ah, it's okay. Um, if, you so, feel, if you feel comfortable with it, you can let me. Well, I don't know, because I, I don't want I, I to open up something that I can't, <laughs> that, that I don't, like, I, you'll have to talk me through it. All right, uh, all right. I'll just t I'll tell you right now that the first part of it is usually like just a little snapshot of what's going on with your life exactly right now. It's yeah. not scary. Yeah. I, I, okay. I, I was a lot scarier in punk rock than I am as a card reader. <laughs> okay, and you can do it. You can you can get the same amount of energy in order to do that without being. Yeah, I do it. I do it on the phone and on Zoom all the time. Okay, I will. I'll flip a coin and, and get back to you. Okay. I always pick tails because I like big butts that are not going to lie. No. <laughs> yes. I remember when that came out and my daughters were singing that. And that was hilarious to hear from like a seven-year-old. Yeah. It's like, you have no idea what, what this means. And I am laughing my ass off. It doesn't matter. Uh, pun intended. <laughs> yes. Pun intended. I didn't actually think of that, so no. <laughs> All right, yeah. I love you, John. Was take care of yourself. If um, yeah, I'll let you know when 
Something changes. Likewise. Okay, we'll talk soon. All right. Bye. Bye. Beats keep beating my brains in. Everyone's talking so loud. Why can't we stop for a minute and pull away from the crowd? What gives us the right to be so loud this silent night? Guzzling tequila, spilling cups of coffee. One lover died, but another is hoping. Chimes are chiming for hearts that are broken. was my wonderful friend John Doe. He's everybody's punk rock crush, even though he'd probably be horrified to hear me say this. Get you X's latest Alphabet Land and check out John on Instagram at the, that's the with two E's, John Doe on Instagram. Sometimes he plays live on there. You don't want to miss that. I got some really spooky stuff coming up for you guys for Halloween season. See you next time, sinners. The Devil's Music is written and hosted by Pleasant Gaiman. Produced by Aaron Alden. All sound design by Jerry Danielson of Busy Signal Studios. And of course, is part of the Pantheon Podcast Network. Find all of our shows at pantheonpodcasts.com. Our social presence is at Pantheon Podcasts on Facebook and Instagram. Tweet us at Pantheon Pods. All songs can be found wherever you get great music. Please pick up these important and fantastic tracks. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.